Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. And he's here, David Arnold. Oh, my God. Look at that smile. Holy shit. What are you doing to preserve yourself? <laughs> Not being uh, drunk. <laughs> that, well, listen, I was a drunk the whole time. And look at me. I look good, but I had a good surgeon. So, all right, you guys, we've got, we've got David Arnold. And David, I know, I, I know him as Woody. <laughs> wow. That's so crazy. I know. Is, does that, does that, people, Oh, well, when somebody says Woody, I know that they are from high school. You know what I mean? Because nobody has called me that since high school. And the only person that called me that recently was Mark Yasowitz. <laughs> only I know Mark. <laughs> you know, do you, you know Mark, right? Come on. Of course. Who, right? Of course I know Mark, but Mark, Mark, you know what freaking Mark did? This is what Mark Yasowitz did. Okay. And then we're, we're going to stop talking like old school, uh, Ohio Beachwood high school. Cause I, obviously I know David from high school. Um, Mark tried to be like best friends with me. Cause my best friend, she went to another school, but she was really hot. Averill. And he was like trying to be my friend and would always want to come over. And I like, Mark was like, soccer team popular like hot you know and i wanted mark so yes but he had yes. no interest in me he just wanted to get to my friend april that friggin' bitch i still hate her wow. for that <laughs> mark is mark's son is on my uh wait did you say you have a whole introduction for me ah no all i said was that like waiting for david arnold to come on the show is like how i used to feel when i was waiting for like a boyfriend to call you know <laughs> So I, um, Mark, uh, used Mark's son is on my TV show. I cast him on my TV show that I have on Nickelodeon right now. So I've seen Mark, Mark is here now. So like, I literally have seen Mark like on a regular basis when his son comes in and works on the show. Send him my love, rolling my eyes. No, I'm just kidding. Tell okay. him April says hello. <laughs> but oh my God, he must love you for that. That's great. And leave it to Mark to have a talented son. So, all right, we're going to get Very. to all of this and all your success and everything. And I just feel like I know you because I've been following you for years on, on the gram and it's all, oh, okay. So I just wanted to show you this too, real quick. Cause this is just from this morning. Speaking of Instagram. <laughs> so ridiculous, yeah. but at least this those are almost empty. Bottles. Oh, but, but, but yours are almost empty. I wouldn't have a problem if it was one sip left in the bottle. I have one sip taken out of several bottles, and which I have a problem with. So yeah, and they're all around the house. I get it. And they're I, everywhere. I, I get it. Listen, <laughs> you 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 grew up with all Jews, so you know how we I are. Did. Like, hey! <laughs> I did. I one hundred percent did. All right, so David Arnold, uh, you're going on tour tomorrow. Um, you're going to be doing the it eight for the week tour. Yep, my stand-up comedy <laughs> tour. It ain't for the week. I'm in San Diego tomorrow night. Uh, start tomorrow night, though, this weekend. It's the, I think this is city. Let me see. This is city 10 or 9 of 20. 
So I'm almost right. halfway through as I get ready to prepare to film my second Netflix special, which I'm doing in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going back home and I'm doing it at the Hannah Theater on January 29th. I, I can't wait. I want to talk about that and how surreal that's got to feel for you too and everything. Cause yeah. that's like, I got, I just got chills for that really seriously. Oh. Um, and we're going to put your whole schedule because by the time this drops, this to, San Diego is going to be coming on. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so David, did you even remember me in high school? Because my memories of you, David, uh, Spanish class, you yep. and I were like, always like the fuck ups yep. in Spanish class, yep. you football team, football Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Football team, football jersey. Well, yeah, you would be. Yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand. If you're on the football team, you're wearing a yes. football jersey. I yes. remember you wearing a football jersey a lot. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I remember uh, being in my car and you had this plate. And on this plate was this particular substance that we used to partake in in high school cocaine. Wow. Was it we used- in high school? This was high school, man. We we were doing blow together in high school. Absolutely, yes. Oh, yes. That I don't remember. Yeah, but I believe not, you. With 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 J J B. Remember him? Everyone used to hang at his house. Bulger. J B. Bulger. Wow. I yeah. Not remember this. Listen, I can't tell you what I had for dinner last night, but I will tell you what I did in 1986. I'll tell you what I was <laughs> oh, so wearing. Well, this was our senior year. Uh, I was two years behind you, so wow, yeah. So this was my senior year. You were a mm-hmm. sophomore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my, yes. uh, my daughter is a sophomore. I don't, isn't that scary? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my God. You're, I've seen your kids. They're not doing what, what, what no, you were doing. They're not, they don't even know what this world is like. Yeah. No. Julie would have no part of that shit. She'd have yeah, that. Like, she never was, smoked, my wife has never smoked weed in her life. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I just had an interview on, on my sober podcast. I had Brimstone, who's a pro wrestler, and he was, he was talking to us about what he's doing and he's like, yeah, I've never smoked a joint. I'm like, what? Who's never smoked a joint. So anyway, um, I was surprised though, when, and I don't remember when it, when it happened that I uh, found out that you and I shared this particular drug of choice that brings you behind dumpsters and sucking on things. That I don't want to talk about at least. Mm. Um, not, I, so I, I, not, not me, but yes. <laughs> I, I've had many men on here saying they have, you know what I mean? But, uh, and, and but I I'm, do talk not- about this in my stand in, the, in my next stand up special. Do you really go? I, that's awesome. Cause I noticed that like, yeah, I, I haven't heard you talk too much about addiction in your stand. I talk about it big time in this next special, the, the show that I'm working on now. I'm, I, I, I talk about my addiction in this. Special. I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. So I want like, why don't you just give us just kind of like, um, pretend like we're in an AA meeting, but like without all the boring us and odds, just give us like a three to five minute David Arnold life story. Oh man. Well, I mean, I started, you know, my, you know, I started, I guess, experimenting with drugs when I was probably 12, 13, you know, and it was because my aunts and my uncles and my mom and my stepfather, they, everybody, everybody smoked weed. Everybody was smoking weed. That was just the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you know, it, it, I quickly became intrigued with that because it was everywhere. And I just remember, you know, I do remember like eighth grade Beachwood Middle School is, is where it, even though I had been exposed to it a little bit before, I remember around eighth grade is when I started to look for it 
on my like you know what I mean like I just felt I felt like that was the normal time where I was looking for it or I would grab some from my parents and keep it and you know and I would smoke before school and you know and then by the time I was in Beachwood High School I would you know I would smoke you know before school I would go to school stoned we all you know? <laughs> yeah and it's just you know th- this is what I can say I it progressed you know, as it, it as it progressed, it was that. I mean, obviously, you're telling me you remember us doing cocaine in high school, which I do not remember, but I do know that I experimented with it. You know what I mean? Like, I remember it in, like, our graduation, my senior year at somebody's, at somebody's uh, party. And then as I, you know, doing it at somebody's party, graduation party. And then as I got you know, after high school, it just, you know, it started to just spiral the cocaine and, you know, the drinking and the the weed. It just, it was, this is what I would, this was my pattern. I would be good and I would have, a get a job. I would be focused. I'm gonna go to college. I would do stuff and I'll be good for six months. Mm -hmm. And then one day I would destroy everything in a 30 day run that I had worked six months, whether it was a job I had, whether it was a, I was in college, whether, you know, I went to, I feel like I went to try C five times, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a two year college. I feel like I went there five times (laughs) and I'd make it like six weeks. And then I would be like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. And um, that was the pattern of my life and everything that, that became the pattern of my life probably through my entire 20s, you know, because I moved to LA when I was 18. I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know how to be an actor. And I had this drug addiction and alcohol addiction that that I did not realize needed to be dealt with. So I was out here. I joined a theater group. I did, you know, I was doing this stuff, but I would drink and fuck up. You know what I mean? Like I would, the, I would have a bend and, and use drugs and like destroy my relationship with my roommates you know what I mean like it was and then I have to go and leave and have to come back home and then finally when I was like 22 after I had been out of college, out of high school for four years I said I'm gonna go to the military because I wasn't doing anything and I couldn't string together enough days of focus to become or do anything so I went to the military where Technically, I can have a place to live. I have a job and I could drink with my friends because that's what my, I, I hung out with my cousin and that's what he did. He was in the Air Force. So it felt like the perfect place for me, you know, I figured out what I wanted to do. And I went through a period there where I got in trouble and I had to get sober for them not to kick me out the Navy. So I started going to AA for the first time ever. And I think I was maybe 25, maybe 24, I can't think. And I went and I lasted 18 months. I lasted 18 months. I went to meetings until they started telling me that I needed to get a sponsor. And I didn't like that. I didn't like <laughs> telling me what to do. Cause I was like, Hey, I've been sober nine months. I ain't never been sober nine months in my life. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I can do this. this. And so I, I lasted 18 months and then I start right before I got out of the military. I started, I got introduced to stand up, which is something I always wanted to do was to do stand up. And um, I started doing stand-up right out of the military. I had been, I was sober during this time. So I had this clarity about me that I was able to do when I was clean, you know, when I was sober, I could get stuff done. I got my nursing degree. I got like, you know, I started doing stand-up right before I got out the military. All of these things I, I set up in this little bit of time. And I started doing stand-up and I started traveling the country doing stand-up. And then I started to drink again. And it just, you know, 
it, I was out for about two years, you know, and then I went and did another nine months somewhere. I went and did like a 30 day outpatient program. I did nine months. I made it another nine months, started to drink again. And then finally I had one last run when I was about 28 and 29. And I knew then I, I was living in Los Angeles and I knew then that I had what it took to be successful in this business. I knew I could be a successful comedian because I had seen success really quickly in the 18 months that I had been doing stand up. Mm. And so I was like, I got to get myself together because if I don't and I stumble upon any kind of success, I'm going to destroy myself without a doubt. I knew that. So I went to the VA uh, for, with the military at, uh, in Westwood here. And I went to a 90 day inpatient program. That was May 5th, uh, 2000, no, 1998, May 5th, 1998. Oh my! And gosh. I got sober and I have been sober since then. And that's been 23 plus years. And, you know, it's, um, I still, you know, you still, you learn so much, but I basically 15, 13 to 30, all those years were just a, a spiral, a hamster wheel. I call it the hamster, hamster wheel. wheel of me just doing the same thing over and over me, just keep going back and doing the same. And then that's what it was. And, uh, now, you know, my life, I've been married, you know, 18 years, my mm. two daughters is 14. God damn. I'm sorry. God damn. I can't, I can't pull it off. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and like my wife, when I met my wife, I've been, I've been sober for five years, you know, so she's never known me to, you know, she knows the, I'm sure I, I have a lot of the isms still the, you know, that I, alcoholics have, but I don't drink and I don't, you know, I don't use drugs. Any, yeah, mm -hmm. And your kids never had to see that either. No, they don't know. I mean, they're going to find out through this standup special that their father used to be a partier. They don't even know that you're uh, in not recovery. Really. Mm. No, wow. not, not, yeah, not really. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're at that age where I'm, it's time to have a conversation with them, but you know, they, they know that I didn't do great in school. So like when they, they, they know all of those things, you know, and it's so, <laughs> it's so funny because they're like, well, you didn't even go to a regular college. You, you graduated at the bottom of your class. Yeah. And I did, I graduated, I literally graduated from our high school class. It, I was at the bottom. First of all, that's why we were in the same classes together because I was in all the uh, dumb people classes. I don't care. I'll say it because I know I'm very intelligent. I just didn't, you know, my grade point average at Beachwood High School was literally 0.8. I didn't even get a one point. I don't know how you could do that. You graduated you with that? a 0.8? A 0.8. I graduated with a 1.8. Okay. So you got the one there. At least we're doing, you know. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. They, they had the list. I'll never forget. They had a list, um, of everybody. I, I can't believe they would put their grade point averages up there, but I remember I was the last one. I was the last one. And I mean, so was I, <laughs> I was the last one. Yeah. My class. <laughs> I graduated at the bottom of my class. And then this is what's funny. I was in Cleveland two weeks ago, 10 days ago. And I went to Beachwood high school, which I have not, I have not been there in 35 years. And they walked me through the school because we filmed because a part of my next Netflix special is it's coming with a documentary as well. So you have the hour special and then you have like a 15 minute documentary about 
the journey of my life getting to this next stand-up special. And so we went back to my old high school. And there I went through the high school and I'm actually, I didn't know this, but they have a, what they call a wall of success in Beachwood. Are you on it? I'm about to be. Yeah, you better tell me I'm on it. If I'm not lying to me, <laughs> I'm being inducted into it. So there, we're going to film it when I go back to Cleveland in January. Oh, muzzle top. That's awesome. That's so really it's, good. It's a, Well-deserved too. Yeah, awesome. It's amazing to go and graduate from the bottom of my class and now be the only, the second person from our class that'll from my class, 1986, that is on there. You know, that's so that right there is inspiration. That's what I do this podcast for is inspiration. And if any of you out there are losers like us, you too Mm -hmm. could get you get on the on the wall of fame and have yourself a Netflix special if you stay sober right there, man. That's yeah, it's it's a whole different. Yeah, it's a different world. My life is different now. Okay, so like you you didn't do any acting classes in high school or anything. When did you decide that that was? Did you? I, I, didn't I was. That. I was in. I was in a drama class. I was in drama and theater and stuff. So you're was, always into that. Okay. I was always into that, and I did a lot of stuff outside of the school. It didn't. It did. I, I did. It was. A, it was a theater company called the Caramu House, which was a which was a very popular theater company in Cleveland. I was involved in that, and then when I got out, I started. You know, I mean, I did. I did drama classes or I did acting classes in here in Los Angeles too. So well, yeah, I've always been involved in some kind of, in that world, in that space, you know, yeah. but, but then when I started doing stand-up, my focus was on that. When I started, You fell in love with that. Is that what you fell in love with? Mm-hmm. It just came easy to you. So, I mean, I, I just respect that so much because my, my journey took me in, into radio. radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I was chasing tour buses at the Beachwood Marriott hanging right. out behind the, you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and a guy that I worked with, he's in LA, Lou Santini. Um, I don't, he, he, he didn't, he doesn't get to say that he's David Arnold status, but he's making a living in, Good. in Hollywood, you know, um, and, and he tours around and he, you know, he's funny. He's a standup. Yeah, he's a stand-up comedian. Nice, exactly. okay. And I, I was just always so envious when he's like, I'm leaving radio and I'm pursuing my dream as, as a stand-up comedian. And not to make this about me, but I always wanted to do that. I always want. But the thing is, I could never get the sobriety enough, like you said, to be able to succeed in anything because I would self-sabotage and fuck up all the time. And the exactly. only industry that accepts that is a rock and roll radio station. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, and it takes a lot. Like you, you have to, you, you write your own stuff and yeah. then it's like, how do you remember it? I'm just curious. How does it, how does it work when you're a standup? Um, well, there's different stages to doing this, you know? I mean, I think in the beginning as a standup, you're just learning how to be funny. You're just learning how the timing and the, how to exist up there on the stage and control your nerves in front of people. And that for everybody, it's different. There is no blueprint. Everybody's different. It could take years. Some people are immediately comfortable. Some people, you know, and I feel like you, you spend a portion of your time just learning to exist up there. Then you spend another portion of your journey, learning to tell stories and learning to tell jokes, you know, and then you get to a place, which I feel like I'm at now where it's not about jokes anymore. I don't tell jokes anymore. I regurgitate life through a comedic filter. 
And that's a completely different thing. That's why, like, if you go to my social media, I can take anything like the bottled waters and the debate around and turn it into comedy. I can take my drug addiction and what I've been through that life and turn it into stand-up, you know, and make comedy out of it. So I think it's as your IQ, your stand-up IQ gets rises and gets stronger, your ability to, um, you know, to tell stories gets better and better and better. And I've yeah. been doing stand-up 27 years now. Wow. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's... I mean, you know, I just, I don't feel like there's anything that I can't do when it comes to that, that world, because I've worked that I'm a master at that craft. It's yeah. what I do. I, I love a story I saw. Um, I don't remember when or where, and I don't even remember who the comedian was, but it was early on. You were up on stage and one of your mentors went to your show and you totally bombed. They were like crickets. You bombed. And then years and years and years later, he came back and, and I think you killed it that night and you were backstage and he was like, oh my God, man, you were so awesome. And do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, that was um, Earthquake. It was a comedian named yes, Earthquake. It was. And I was in Atlanta performing on his show and I've been doing stand up maybe 16, 18 months. And I was out of, yeah, maybe a year because I was out of the military, just out. And uh I was doing like the the, the pre-show before he came up and started the show because he was like the host. It was his club and then he had comedians on. So I went up before and I just, I just tanked. I just, I did not have what it took to appeal to this audience that I was in front of. And when the show was over, he went up after me and he just lit fire into me. Talk, I mean, talking shit about me, how bad I was, how ridiculous. But I just had to stand in the back of the room and take it. You know what I mean? Because it was bad. And then fast forward to 15, 20 years later, maybe we're at a comedy club here in LA and he's hosting a night here and he brings me up and I go up and I murder and I come off stage and he gives me all this praise after he comes up and takes the mic from me. And, you know, then when he comes on, he brings up another, he gives me all this praise, gives, brings another comic up. And then uh, we meet each other backstage and I tell him the story. I go, do you remember bringing me on stage? like 15 years ago at your club that you owned in Atlanta, the Uptown Comedy Corner. And I bombed and you talked about me. He was like, he doesn't even remember it. Yeah. He doesn't funny. remember it because comedians, we don't, you know, yeah. we're focused on our thing. And it was just full circle for me to stand there with a guy who is so funny and have this experience where he saw me tank and then this experience where, and I just did his podcast yesterday. He's on um, Sirius XM radio, uh, the Laugh Out, Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Network. And I literally just did his podcast yesterday. And wow, that's weird that it, I brought that up because they posted it's that a couple weird. of years ago. <laughs> yes, it's weird that you brought that up because we talked about it again and he gave me a lot of praise and he and he, and he, and he complimented my, my, my current Netflix special that's streaming now. And it was, it's just good. It's just from doing the work. You know what I mean? It's from doing the work and being around. And it's like anything. It's, it's like when you're, it's the, it's the same thing when you're sober, when you're getting sober. It is work. The first part of it is eliminating the drugs and the alcohol, which a lot of people always think that the drugs and the alcohol is the problem, but it's not. <laughs> The drugs and the alcohol have been the solution to whatever the problem is. And until we remove, until I removed the drugs and alcohol, I could not deal with 
whatever my problem was. You know what I mean? And so it took me time to, you, you got to remove that from my, I had to remove that from my life. And I had to allow the smoke to clear because it takes time for the smoke. I went to rehab and I went to meetings. I know for the first five years, easy, maybe seven or nine every day. I was going to ask you that. Okay. So you did, you had an AA regimen daily. Yeah. Because when I was, when I was in, when I went to my 90 day program, we had to go to, I want to say they said we needed, we needed to go to two outside meetings outside the rehab a week, minimum of two. And I remember, remember this is my third time getting sober now. So I've had enough, I've collected enough data to know that if I drink or if I smoke weed or if I, it's going to take me back to where I was. It, it, it don't matter. It's just a matter of how long, but right. it's eventually going to take me back. <clears throat> so when they said you only had to do two, I remember going every day. Because you're a great addict. <laughs> well, and because, addict. I, because I did not want to go back there. I had had mm -hmm. enough. And so mm -hmm. if they said minimum is two, then I would say, I'm going to do, I can go every day. And I remember really a, a, a guy that was a, a, a resident that was in rehab with me. And I remember seeing me, they would see me, you know, they see you leave and I walk off and go off and do, and he was like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to meet. And he's like, you know, we only got to go to two a week. I said, yeah, but I need to go every day. And then he, I remember him saying, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. I'll never forget this. So I did my program. I got out 90 days. I, I went back to that facility every year i would go back and speak wow i would go back and wash dishes with the guys back there i would go back i would because that was the thing nobody wanted to do was wash dishes in the cafeteria after dinner or lunch or whatever meal was so i would on my birthday i would go back and i would always go back and i would go speak and then i would go and have a meal and i would wash dishes mm -hmm. and i remember going back and maybe this was two three years later and i was going back to speak and I remember going up to speak and that guy who told me, he, I'll see how long that lasts. He was sitting in the room. He was a resident. Mm -hmm. So that means he obviously had come back again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, all, it's he always, saw yeah. me, right. And when he saw me, we exchanged, but there was nothing to say. He knew and I knew. So he, do you think he remembers saying? He of does, course he remembers. Okay, he of remembers. Of course he remembers. Okay. Because the look that we exchanged says that we remember. And I remember leaving saying, man, it's good to see you, bro. Take care of yourself. You know, like that. There's nothing to say. I don't, there's nothing to say. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, fuck you. You, I, yeah. I knew you wasn't going to make it. See, I made it. Like, it, because you, nobody, I'm one drink away from being right back there again, too. We're, we're, yeah, we're all the same. And we all have to remember that. And and you, you never do know. I've been in freaking rehab so many times. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I, I can't even, I can't even count that high, really. No. Uh, I've been, obviously, uh, it's been a struggle for me. Yeah. Like, I thought that you were a one white chipper. Now I see that it did take you a while, but it's taken me a lot longer than you to learn. Yeah, three. Yeah. Uh, taken it's, me a lot longer. Yeah. The thing I noticed, though, is like, you you just you just don't know who's going to get it and who isn't. I think it's up to the universe, really, who gets it. Because, I mean, I remember being in treatment with this chick and she was just like, you know, banging all the guys because it was co-ed and, uh, she was like falling asleep, you know, not paying attention. And the first person that you would think would go out and use would be this girl. And I stand here in front of you to tell you that I go to her for help all the time. And she has 10 years, you know, and she was the biggest fuck up in my, you know, 
in my treatment yeah. for the yeah. six month stint that I did that time. Um, thanks to the um, judge of Broward County courts. Right, that be there. right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody, so, everybody's um, journey. My, I have a cousin. My cousin Michael, he's one year younger than I am. Michael was was addicted to drugs. I mean, and al- it was alcohol more than anything, really. He was a, he was mm-hmm. a huge drinker, and you know his we're, we're he's my first cousin, um, and you know he died like three or four years ago, and it's because at the end of the day he you know he drank himself to death. I mean his 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 liver was not. I think he 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 got some kind of cancer or something, but the bottom line is his organs were not strong enough to take the treatment to treat his problem. And the reason they weren't strong enough is because he had destroyed them with alcohol. You know what I mean? So while it might not have been the alcoholism that killed him indirectly, the alcoholism stopped him from being able to be treated for whatever it is that was really wrong with him, you know, and everybody don't make it. You know, like everybody does not make it. And I think about my life and I think about the alleys that I've been in buying drugs and the, you know, and the, 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 the dangerous situations that I've been in that I could, I've been protected because I'm a kid who grew up in Beachwood. You know, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like if people understood where we came from, it was a upper middle-class neighborhood and it was, you know, it was not uh, the jungle by any means. It was like, It was a pampered, very pampered, privileged situation. David, could you see me in the freaking hood? Like I'm, a, I, I'm like I am a hood. Like I, I could hang in the hood. Like I would go from my, from. But this is when I moved to Florida. I moved to a, a similar kind of thing. Yeah. And I'd be like in my, you know, my my beautiful suburb with my house on the lake, and I'd be like, right. I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. And I would like literally like drive to the hood. <laughs> like, right. Could you see me like. So in, yeah. Yeah. It's a matter. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen like little nice Jewish girl. I've seen so many, so many things that I can't even tell you due to my, you know, yeah, chronic addiction. Yeah. And um, yeah, my mom would be like, I wonder, I wonder how many other Beachwood parents have to deal with this with their children, <laughs> you know. And I'd be like, Mom, you know what? You know, you don't know. You don't know. You know, I, I'm sure that, plenty. That is something that. <clears throat> It doesn't discriminate this disease, you know? It doesn't. No. It doesn't care. No, it doesn't no. fucking care, this disease. And it, 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 it there, and like I was saying, there is stages to getting to a place. There's, there's stages of getting, you know, constantly doing personal inventory and trying to make sure that you hold yourself accountable. One of the things that I'm really good at <clears throat> is being authentic with myself about who I am. It's probably too black and white. You know what I mean? Like, I honestly believe and see how we are our worst enemies as far as people. You know, like I see a lot of people who say, oh, I want to do this. Or I want to be this. And, I <clears throat> and most people are just talking more than not. More, most people are just talking and most people love to blame other things for where they are, or what's going on, you know, and to be you know, like one of my biggest issues for me that I know is like, I have, I, my patience and my, my tolerance is very thin for certain things. I can get angry quick, you know, Thanks for great comedy material for you. Yes, <laughs> yes. But you know, but it's like, and one of my biggest things that I have a problem with is when someone acts like they don't 
understand or they don't know what I'm talking about. When I when when the point is clear, that infuriates me quickly because I know me. I I know when I'm full of shit. Mm-hmm. I know when I'm making an excuse. I know when I'm not getting something is because of me. It's like it's like for instance this. It's like me working out and losing weight. I have big gained and lost the same 30 pounds for the last 10 years. Now I'm on the smaller side. I'm down 25 pounds. I'm working out with my trainer. I'm eating right because I'm getting ready to film this Netflix special. My biggest, I'm trying to attack this journey this time a little different because I want to stay here. I don't want to keep, you know, because I will sit down and eat an entire box of uh, Fruity Pebbles cereal every day. It's yeah. that addiction in me. I will eat, I will get the chunky monkey ice cream or whatever from, you know, whatever, and, uh, Ben and Jerry's. And I will eat one of those a day, every fucking day for six months and gain 30 pounds and then go outside and start running and take it all. Like, and then, and I got to find balance. It's all about balance for me, you know? So like, this is another level of me trying to learn how to control that addictive thing. I'm a workaholic. I work when I was, when the pandemic came, I sold five TV shows and it's the addicted. It's the guy who has to work. I gotta be doing something. I wish I had that one. I'm lazy as they come still, but (laughs) I got, because I have, I have this energy and I got to put it, but you're doing this. You see what I'm saying? And this takes, I got to do something. And if if my energy is going to go two places, it's going to go into some bullshit or it's going to go into something productive, but it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes, 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 exactly. It could be self-sabotaging or it could be, like you said, exactly productive. And even in work, my wife is always telling me, you got to have balance. You got to have balance. You got to have balance. Because she's she's way better at that than I am. She's way more calmer than I am. She's way more, I am, you know, that's, that's me, but I, you know, but I always try to remind myself like that there has to be balance. Do you do any kind of meditation? Do you meditate? You you don't, not into any of that shit. No, I'm not yet. It'll probably come soon. I don't meditate. I, Check out a guy. He modernizes it. Okay. And I'm going to talk, I talk about him on every podcast now he should have, you know, I'm going on one of his uh, retreats too in San Diego in March. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, yeah, his name's David G David, easy for you to remember J I and like he, he just modernizes everything and he just makes it for people that are like, he, he, how he, he basically that guy kept me off the crack pipe for like a year, really. Right. right and right. just the way that he presents everything. He, he was a, a Jew from New York and something happened in 9 11. He was working on Wall Street and just had an epiphany. Then he started working for a Deepak. And uh, anyway, whatever. He's a great guy. So right. I just was curious about the meditation thing. So, yeah. um, also, I want to talk about the net, net, Netflix special. I want to talk about everything that you do have going on. I mean, are, is, is Beachwood High School going to be in the special? Am I going to get to see it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh they filmed God. me going through the school. I well, heard they, they redid it. Did they, they added, they, they, they spent like $34 million in that school. It's a whole different school. It's unbelievable the way that school looks like, I was like, what? It's, it's crazy. It's wow. completely different, a completely different space. So it, how it blew me away. I, I mean, obviously there's probably not too many of the same teachers there or anything, but no, 
no, no they're all, none they, of them. Yeah. We're really old. I keep forgetting how old I am, right? Because yeah, we they're, both they're, they're gone. All the, all of them are gone. <laughs> Not dead, um, but I'm just saying, like, not yeah, dead. they're they're no longer. A couple of them are like, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, some of the yeah. best ones. Anyway, only the good die young, right? Um, so the Netflix special, I, I, the first one was awesome. Loved Thank it. You. My boyfriend and I, big fans, watched it and loved it's it. Called Fat I, Ballerina. I, I couldn't remember the. <laughs> yeah, Fat Ballerina. I did it. It came out the week of the pandemic. Yes. And that is, that was a blessing for me because everyone was locked down at home. And so everybody watched everything on Netflix and mm -hmm. it did really, really well. And Netflix came back to me and was like, we want to do another one. And it got the attention of Kevin Hart and Lena Waith. Um, mm -hmm. So they are the executive producers of this next one that I'm getting ready to do. And it's, you know, I'm, uh, I gotta admit the, the, the material in this new set is, pretty incredible. So you don't, I, I don't know anything about how this stuff works. So is it all like, if someone comes to see you doing stand up now, it's not going to be the same material or is it the same tour? Is it like, it, it'll like, be the same. Like if you okay. come to see, like if you came to see me tonight, what you see when it comes on TV, uh, eight months from now, when I record, cause I'm recording it in January, will be a close version of it. It'll be 85% the same. Okay. That's what I'm saying. If the Foo Fighters it's a completely different hour than what is up now. I mean, it's all brand new material. But, okay. and what's crazy is some of it is, unless you've been a hardcore David Arnold, David A. Arnold fan, and you've been following me from the beginning, mm -hmm. it's some of this material that I'm doing will be new to the world. But some of these jokes and these stories that I'm telling have, are 15 years old. Yeah. but they just never been seen on a national stage. So I'm very yeah. excited for people to get a chance to see it. Uh, your, your tagline at eight for the week yes. is, is just like, I mean, and if you, if you're not a David Arnold follower or whatever, he, he just makes fun of like, you just normalize everything. You just make, you do what I love to do. You just make fun of life. You know, you just yes. make fun of every little observation Yes. Obviously you love Julie. Obviously yes. you guys love each other very much, but you're always like rolling your eyes or she's rolling yes. her eyes at you. And yes. you know, it's marriage ain't for the week. It ain't being married is not for the, I tell this and I say this on stage, be it anything worthwhile, anything that you want to do is not going to be easy. And I go being married and ain't for the week, having kids and raising kids ain't for the week, getting sober ain't for the week, trying to pursue a career and stand up or anything that's worthwhile is not for the week being doing it's. And so I talk about that and touch on that throughout my standup and my, and as I take people through this journey of what life has been for me and what it's like. And a lot of my standup is all about family and kids and marriage and, you know, relationships and, uh, it ain't for the week. It's just not. And that's, and I just started doing it on social media. I started, you know, I started posting videos about two years ago and it was because I was in development for a TV show and they canceled the development. And they said, basically I wasn't marketable that nobody really wanted to see me. So it infuriated me. Yeah. And then I was depressed. And then my wife was like, you got to get up off the couch and you got to keep moving. So I decided that the best way to get my voice to my fans was my phone because everybody was posting, everybody was viral, everybody. So I started looking at the people that were building these massive followings with just posting videos. 
And I started looking at them and I, my mind is very compartmentalized the way I break things down. And I saw something, I was going, this guy has posted these videos that are three minutes and 10 seconds long or four minutes and 20 seconds long, every video. And he's millions of followers. And I was like, he did this four minutes and 20 seconds at a time. I said, I can post one thing a day. I can make anything funny for 60 mm -hmm. seconds. So I started doing these comedic rants about everything. And I've always been about my life. I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a man that's just, that has a point of view about everything, whether it's the line at Starbucks, whether it's the, you know, and so I just started posting videos and I started ranting about whatever was my thing. And me, Julie and I did a video about how parents feel on their first, on the kids' first day first back to school. I, I saw it. I saw, I saw it. I think I saw it two years ago or last yes. year or whatever. And, it, yeah. and that video, I put it up. Um, we danced down the street to the music, The Wiz from the movie, The Wiz. Ease on, not Ease on Down the Road, uh, Brand New Day. And I put it up on at eight o'clock here on social media. By noon, it was on the 12 o'clock news in LA. And so when the LA affiliate got it, all the affiliates around the country, because LA is a big market. So 30, 50 affiliates around the country picked this video up and it just, now my YouTube page has been translated into several different languages. Wow. It's 22 million people a week go through my YouTube page. I mean, my Facebook page. And it's just turned into a thing. And it's just me talking about what it's like to be married, wife, kids, life whatever it is, whether it's my encounter with a woman at, at Lowe's or me and Julie's encounter with each other about, you know, uh, star, like whatever, whatever I have grocery a point of view of that. grocery store. I did a video of us going to the grocery store one day and that video, that video has crossed 35 million views. I remember and it's just yeah. ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's just, so it's changed the game for me. And now when I'm touring, between my Netflix special and my social media following, I'm selling out these shows all over the country. And it's kind of dope to walk out on stage after 27 years of doing this to be for, for it to be your fans, for it to be people who came and bought tickets to see you. And that feels good. Yeah. You know, I, I was interviewing someone the other day and we were talking about addiction and his addiction now because he's also in the public eye or whatever yeah he said there's like no feeling in the world than being on stage and doing your thing and for for him it was like people singing your lyrics or yeah. i mean like, like like the best high ever you know and it sounds like you're really you're living the dream yeah and yeah the netflix special it drops you said next year right Yes, I record the second one at, at in our hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, at the Hannah Theater, at the Playhouse Square. It's beautiful, I mean, classic it, theater. Yeah, it's a beautiful theater, and I, we'll do it at the end of January, and then I will. It'll probably drop somewhere in the spring or the summer of next year, if that, you know. And so, you know, somewhere between April and June, it'll come out. It depends on what Netflix's mandate and plan is. Which we'll find out once it's in the camp. Wow, that's but I it'll mean, be out and it'll be you know, 
I mean, how does that feel? Like, oh, my phone's ringing. Oh, it's Netflix on the phone. They want me to do another special. No, yeah, know, just another and, day, right? Yeah. You know what? I got to call them back. I'm busy. <laughs> right. You know what? You know what it feels like when people ask me. A lot of people go, "Can you believe it?" And I honestly, with without being egotistical, and yes, I can, because I've done the work. I've been doing this for a long time, and me personally, I think I should have done this a long time ago. Like I've been, you know, but I know that timing is everybody. My timing is not the world's timing. So I have to take it when it's ready. You know, I have a, I have a show on Nickelodeon. That's the number one show on the network. What right show? Now. Tell me, I, how come I don't know that? I know everything about you. I follow like oh, everything like a star. Um, there is a, I, I created a show last year called that girl Lele. It was, it was brought, she was brought to me by a very popular movie producer named Will Packer, who's done girls trip and think like a man to a lot of Kevin Hart's movies. Mm -hmm. um, and he had this little girl that's a YouTube star that was rapping in a car with her dad out of Houston. And her name is Lele. And they asked me to create a TV show around it and around her. And I created this show and I wrote it. And uh, we, we, we did 13 episodes this last year. Four, number four has aired, I think. Uh, tomorrow night, the fifth episode will air. Uh, we officially are like number one on the network where we're the show is we're negotiating now my season two contract. Creating this show has made me the sixth black man to have soul created by an ownership of a television show in Hollywood, in the wow. history of, of Hollywood. So it's kind of dope to join that little small group of people, but you know, it, I, I, I use a lot of the experiences because it's two little girls. They're like best friends and they go through this life together that, that I created. And um, it's kind of dope because I, my daughters are in the show. Um, they, I, I base one of the characters off of my daughter and then Anna Grace, my oldest, she is a reoccurring in the show. Ashlyn does all the background. You see all of the kids in the cafeteria and in the hangout, she's always like, she loves- Is this the one Yasowitz's kid is in too? Yes, Mark okay. Yasowitz's son, his name is Graydon. And okay. he plays our leads nemesis in this show. I and can't wait, I gotta watch it. it. It's I, all, if you go to Nickelodeon, I mean, you know, it's a kid's show. So unless you have a kid that's six to 11, it's not gonna be on your radar. But the <laughs> show- pretty much done, my maturity level, but- right, you know. the show, but, but what's crazy is the show is doing really well and adults who watch it with the kids is like, oh, I could watch this show. And it's because I made the parents on the show very real. They're not like TV show, kids TV show parents who were clueless back in the mm -hmm. day. They were like, just, mm -hmm. you know, is that smoke I smell? Is the house on fire? Like they were, yeah. those kind of, we didn't do that. We made them yeah. real and the show's done really well. So it's, a, have just hit a stride right now. Things are fantastic and I cannot be more blessed than I am right now. So, yeah. and I wouldn't be I, able to any of this. I, 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 I just want, I, I want to wrap it up with one more thing because I think this is the most important thing of, of, of everything is sure. all the success and everything that's going on. So like I, I found David on Instagram and I think I saw something about him being an addiction or whatever. And I was struggling so bad with my addiction and I reached out to you yeah. and it's like, you know, oh, this is Jen from, you know, 1986, whatever. Hey, how you doing? And like, not not within 10 minutes did I get a response and, and, and helping me and encouraging me. And then I kept frigging relapsing and I just never felt judged. So 
you know, it's, it's, it's all karma. And like you said, you are doing the work. And I just want you to know that I I'm so grateful for, for what you did because you did, oh, you, I kept saying like, and then I'd be like, I go out and I'd use, I'd be like, wait a minute. I can't like, I, I just told David that I had like a week. I can't go out and freaking get high again. And then I would right. still go out and get high anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've so. been there. We, I think, I feel like no, everybody is one decision away from being there. Like I've been sober for 23 years, but like I could literally leave here and destroy that whole thing with Everything. a decision. You know what I mean? So like that's that, that area is an area of my life that I don't have, that I, that I don't mess with, that I, that I respect, that I, because I was able to get hold of that, I'm able to have a life and give my children a life that I never had. And while I have a lot of flaws, a lot of character defects that by no means am I perfect on any level, um, that one thing by being sober, it allows me to be present to make sure that one of the biggest things I pride myself on is the fact that I take care of everybody in my life, you know, my wife and my children. I really pride myself on being able to say to my wife, whatever you want, just go, you know. Wait a minute. I saw something with your wife with friggin' like designer bags and all this <laughs> shit for a birthday. Was that real? That couldn't have been yeah. real. No. Yeah, that was her for her 50th birthday. Yeah. David, but I want to marry you. Come on. <laughs> how many like i mean literally there was like 50 designer bags everywhere and shoes they're freaking showering julie with they're showering this bitch with freaking designer shit you know meanwhile i'm coming back from tj maxx with my tj maxx bag you know i was like oh wah 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 i thought i was happy she she i'm not going to lie my wife my wife is not you know, Julie is not a, she's never been a materialistic person. She's, I bought her a Louis Vuitton bag three times and three times, twice she took it back. Uh, I could tell. She's like, I don't that. need this. We can put this money. Like she's always, and now I think she's at that age where she also realizes that she, we don't need any of it, but we deserve it mm-hmm. because we've worked hard. You know what I'm saying? And we're doing what she does, taking care of my daughters, the way she does. It's so much work. And she's so fucking incredible at it. You know, and so it's like, for me, any and everything that I have, she deserves all of it. So I don't mind giving her those things because she, she, she takes care of that, which allows me to pursue this mm-hmm. free and free. I can work. And she helps me with that. She helped me develop the show for Nickelodeon. She's helped me develop the show. I sold the Netflix and own and Amazon. She's like, She's right there. So she's, she, she's, she's pretty incredible. And I, you know, so whatever she needs, I'll make sure that she, she gets, when I go to San Diego this weekend, she'll be there with me. Every time I go out of town and I take Julie, I get the best hotels ever. When I'm by myself, I, I, I will stay in, uh, you know, in a Hampton Inn. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Good. I mean, good. Yeah. And do, do you find it, which is one more, one more thing that has to do with addiction. I, I could talk to you all day, but yeah, I mean, with your, when you were Julie, obviously um, it's probably not, not temp- tempting, but on the road. Never. Yeah. It's not tempting. It's never yeah. tempting for me. I'm so, 
Like beyond I can sit in a room with people who are smoking weed. I got to be honest with you. I love the smell of weed. Oh my Mm -hmm. God, I love it. Like when I smell weed, I'm like, wow, that smells fantastic. But alcohol, nothing for me. You know, weed, I love the smell of weed. Uh, I sit in a room. I mean, I work in, you know, in, in restaurant and bars. I mean, a comedy club is just the bar. You know what I mean? And they, and I get anything I want. There's times when in my dressing room on my writer is a bottle of red and white wine that they keep in my thing. It's not for me. It's for any guests that come in there. My road manager might want it. If my wife is with me, she can have it like that is, but me, I don't even think about it because I'm so, I've already, I've already been there, done that, whatever that is. Yeah, I understand what that is. And I do not have the time to go back and do that because I'm so focused on trying to be the best version of myself and get the most out of this decision that I made to be a a comedian and a television producer. I'm focused on trying to Mm -hmm. leave a mark there. Yeah. Yeah, you're worried about uh, your own success and you know exactly where it's going to take you. And no offense, but I'm not sure that you would have the best show, uh, right. the stand-up show, if you were like, right. if I was, it's not sucking down life. some champagne and right. vodka exactly. before the show. Man. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it does nothing for me at all. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. David, my gosh, thank you so much for taking the time. You're such a busy guy. I'm just honored. Now, where are you? I'm what humbled. city are you in? You're I'm in Florida. Palm Beach, Florida, and I keep saying, when are you coming? And I'm, well, I'm trust me, I'm coming. Because like now, especially with this new special, like we've already started adding dates for 2022. And I will, I will be, I will be in all of the Miami, Orlando, I'm sure Palm Beach, all of those places. So okay. I get I, a backstage pass. You 100%. You got it. There it is. <laughs> <All day. laughs> All right, Dave, love you. Thank you so much. This is Sober Exposure, and I'm Jennifer Wilde, David Arnold, a.k.a. Woody. Sorry, had to do it. (laughs) Thank you. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast. 